Good morning, everybody. This is the first proper podcast back since the passing of my father, which some of you will know about, which happened now four weeks ago tomorrow. So it's still quite fresh. Um, not going to go too much into detail about that because I know grief is different for everyone. People handle it differently. Some people get hit, hit some straight away. Some people it takes time. I don't know where I was, where I sit with it at the moment. All I do know is that the one day at a time philosophy is really, really helping me. So I wake up and, you know, remind myself of the good things I can do to make myself feel better, which is always the stuff like getting my steps in, which hasn't been great, by the way. I'm trying to get that up now. Um, eating decently. So some days it hasn't been great, but I've definitely been quite on track with hitting macros and stuff like that. And some people are like, hitting your macros after something like because I know that my nutrition is going to help me. You know, my nutrition made me feel better. I'm still going to the gym. These things help me mentally. They help me. And I'm not, I don't want to put myself in a worse position where I'm just con- con- constantly overeating, not training, not moving. And I will feel worse. Of course I will. Um, and you, do, you, you don't want to do that to yourself, really. It's kind of like it, it doesn't make sense to me to do that during tough times. But again, everyone's different. So this topic is something that... Um, when it does happen, you speak and you discuss with people. I found the talking doesn't help as much in the first first few days. I know a lot of people like to talk about it and stuff, but there is no words to describe it. So because there's no words to describe it, there's not really anything to say, um, in my opinion. Uh, might might sound weird, but... Um, the what if world is a is a painful world to be in. Living in what if land is not good, and this is good for everyone, not just for when someone's died. But oh, what if I stayed home? You know, for me, the first few days it was difficult because I went back home. I had planned all summer to be back in Wales, help my father get fit and healthier. Me and my sister moved back about seven weeks ago. Um, we slept on the couch in the house. And we were taking turns, you know, lay next to bed, lay in next to, can I speak? <laughs> lay in bed next to him because he was on oxygen 24-7. He kept pulling his mask off. So we had to make sure, you know, didn't really sleep for seven weeks, to be honest. It was like on and off. One eye was open, one eye was closed. And oxygen kept pulling off all night, all the time because it was um, nagging him and taking him to the toilet and stuff like that because it was difficult to get out of breath so me and my sister would kind of double team here and you know I'd be doing breath work with him calming him down making sure telling him it's all his don't let his thoughts run away from him it's not a heart attack his heart rate is naturally gone up all these types of stuff you do you settle them you're making sure you sit down a lot of time he was in silence or sometimes watching uh, bangers and cash or the chase or pointless um and that's what it was for seven weeks and helping him go for walks as well you know took in, taking when i first went back he was his walking was terrible then he got much better then he started walking way smoother again it was quite shocking to me how much he improved and then we even got him to the point because if anyone is familiar with oxygen and stuff like that he was on you know 10 12 13 liters of oxygen sometimes going up to 15 and the portable oxygen device is only a six liter thing so for him to go out in the car or take him for a spin he'd have to be able to survive essentially six litres of oxygen. And then we eventually got him down from 13, 14 litres down to six litres. And this was down to um, breath work for sure, reducing anxiety around 
toilet times and stuff like that. No, um, chilling him out in terms of like when he wanted to do something like go to the toilet, not to act instantly because it's instantaneous. I gotta go and get up. Kind of like a think of it like a high intensity interval training versus slow and steady. So trying to keep him on a kind of chilled vibes. Um, helped a lot, and I think me and my sister there helped bring that down as well. And um, brought on down six liters. So we took him on a on a spin for the for two weekends in a row around the valley. And you know he's got a mini he had a minibus company, and you know when checking his buses and stuff, you know driving past the bus really slow, you know <laughs> like just being like, yeah it's good, it's there, mate. Don't you worry. Check if it's locked. Go and check if it's locked. Yeah right, the will it's, it's locked. All good, all safe. Um, so then I left on the Monday to go to London because I had a flight on Tuesday and the Saturday that just had been for that part, this was four, five weeks ago, was um, we had taken him on a, on a trip. He was fine. He he was, I thought, brilliant. Got at least a summer here, at least a summer in him. He's, he's, he's improved so much. And when I left, I didn't say everything. I didn't sit next to him and say, listen, daddy, you know I love you. I'm going on to I'm going on holiday for a few weeks. I booked there. I think it'd be nice to go away for a few weeks, and I'll be back though. You know, I'll be back, and we can really go out of this summer with your walking, with your training, and all that stuff, right? Um, make sure you are back to kind of a normality at least for this summer. But what I decided to do was I said, "I'm going now. Got my suitcase packed, um, and I just kind of kept a chill because I didn't want to panic the man. I didn't want him to think, "Fucking hell, is this guy saying goodbye to me?" Going on holiday, thinks does he think I'm gonna die right now and he's gonna go on holiday? Who is he? I didn't want to do that because that would have been for my benefit, not for his benefit. So for him, kept the chill, daddy. I'll be back in two weeks. He's like, Yeah, where's your flight from? I got to work or wherever. Back two weeks. I'm gonna leave my warehouse key here as well. Um, suitcase here. Um, yeah, it'll take me a few hours to get out. What time is your flight? Come back, happy days. And then I walked out and then you know, I looked through the window because uh, it's a bungalow. I looked through the window to the living room, I saw him, he's just watching telly. I thought, yeah, he looks calm. And that's the last time I've seen him in my life. Um, and that really bugged me for the first few days, big time, because I was re- thinking, I was only in Athens for three days before I got the news. You know, I got the news in the morning. It was horrible. It was like, a, oh, I can't explain to you. I went out the night. I went out the night before drinking with my friend Mahi. You know, and it got a bit too far. We, we had a few too many drinks. And we got back at like a stupid o'clock, you know. 4 or 5 a.m. or something it was. I can't remember. We were at some karaoke bar. And I got a call at about 7, 8 a.m. With the news. So, and I had to get, and I just got straight on the flight that day. Packed my stuff. Went straight to the airport. Luckily, there was a flight within two hours of me arriving. I just booked it, you know. And then, and, and got back. And it was an eight, nine hour journey back to the West Wales. But it was a no-brainer, obviously. You go back, of course you do, straight away. There's no messing about it. And I bought him a ring as well, like a twin ring. There was two rings in this ring shop. One done by the same artist. One was blue and one was red. Thought he loved that. He loved our style, so I got him one. And I thought, I'll get myself the twin as well. So we'll have two. Giving that to my sister now. But you know, so many what ifs. Says my point. So many what ifs. What if this? What if that? What my sister's really bad for it. What if she was home when he was there? What if we were still there that night as normal, me and my sister? Would he be panicked in the morning? Would how, how did he die? You know, we don't really, we never know the truth of it. Like how, what actually happened? So what if world is painful if you want to sit in there. And sometimes people want to sit in what if world, right? I don't know why it stirs a lot of emotion. It feels like you're, you're being productive about it, but you're not. 
So in terms of your lives, it's like, what if I didn't eat all the stuff? And then we can go, we, I know I'm going from death to like something what may be considered trivial here, but it's all the same what if, the, the illusionary state that would never happen. It's been, it's gone type of thing. So like, you know, what if I didn't go and get wrecked that weekend? What if I didn't eat all those foods that weekend? Well, well you did. You did eat all that food, you did do that drink. You, oh, what if I did do the Octagon 3? Where would it be now? Well, you didn't, right? Oh, what if I started soon? Oh, what if I did it? But you're not. It's not possible. Some of these things are impossible to get to. You see the division, you're, the division you're causing in, internally. You're causing a, an impossible solution. The impossible solution is that what if thing you are thinking about is not, most of the time, not possible. And it's causing you chaos, right? So three or four days into this myself, I realized this is not this is not good for my, my brain. Like, I need to see this out. I need to see this properly. And uh, yeah, so I saw straight. I just looked at it and I was like, I spent seven weeks with him, six seven weeks every day helping him. I we we were in forest in September in forest last year. We did that um, fire task. You know, burn. Write something down you wouldn't let go of. And I wrote in my one to let go of the resentment I had for my father for really not being a great dad emotionally for me and not being your typical father through my all my life, you know. I didn't have an emotional connection with him. I didn't really know what I was up to, what I was doing. Um, he had his own way of giving to the world, you know. He brought together loads of bus operators in the, in the area, the rival bus operators. He was so in love with buses and building the buses and he literally, he, his love for his, his passion for his work brought people together who were rivals, right? So all these people are like, he's a legend. I was like, are you speaking about the same guy here? Like, I don't know this guy's this legend. Like, but you know, he, this is what he did. He loved his job so much, loved what he did so much. The passion kind of um, bounced off the rest of them. And then all of a sudden, they're all going to buy buses and my father to auctions. They're all buying buses off each other. They're all giving each other jobs they can't do. And it's now... This passion, this fire about this work he's done has brought together loads of people in the, in the community. And he's always been that way with his work and everyone in the funeral was saying it. And I was like, you know what? I understand him a lot more now. I let go of resentment. I could see facts. You know, he wasn't the emotional type of man. It goes back to his father. Um, but he was a good man in the sense that what he did with his life, he, he, he put everything into this and he touched a lot of lives. You know, and you can't ask for more than that, really, with what you want to do. You're not going to be a Roman emperor, we. You know, we're not going to be prime minister of them. We're not going to be these types of jobs more than thing. But if we can, if we can help other people see their life in a better uh, way through either the work, if it's work and it's your work, then it's your work, isn't it? Some people are genuinely amazing family people. Some people are genuinely amazing friends. Do everything. You know, we, I don't know where you sit in that in that realm, but. Yeah, you understand someone more. So, you know, back and forth, letting go of resentment, saying, I'm leaving it go, you know, he's, he's, he's my dad. He's my father. I must, and I at this time, I was helping him. I thought, I must let go of it. Like, I'm not, I can't think of what if he was a better father in the traditional sense, because that wasn't who he was. And a lot of it wasn't his fault. And you can say it's his responsibility as a to, to realise that he has been very... Um, not very emotional or not very open book or whatever but then I think you know this man I saw photos of him with his sister Olive my auntie that I've never met 
because she passed away when when she was 19. She had lupus and she was engaged, this guy called Peter, and he kept going to see my grandmother all the way till till she died. And my father's pictures with Olive when he's younger. Oh my God, is he, he, he is proud of his sister. He is so, he loves her so much. He's proud of her, he's with her. It's like, oh, that unconditional love, that purity there. And he had for his sister, for her to get taken away from him at 19 when he was like 22 and she was engaged, you know, and it was a sharp, sudden thing. How does that change a person? I don't know. That's not what changes. We never spoke, he's never spoke about it to us. We ask him sometimes. He didn't speak about it. But God, you've got to think of these things when you think of people in totality. Something I definitely have done, and I, I'm, I'm, actually, I'm actually quite proud and I'm glad that I have these realizations now. I'm 30 years old, but I feel like some people never see this. Some people may never see this point of view. They might always have resentment for people because they haven't acted in the way they think is right. Well, got some bad news for you. Go and have a look at people's lives to totally. You have a different opinion on why they are, how they, you know, why they are like they are. I don't know. So this is a bit of a ramble for you, but I feel like the, the point here is um, grief's up and down. You cry over the small stuff more than thinking the big stuff um keeping busy does help of course but that can be a coping mechanism and escapism um i i have looked grief in the face i have sat with it a lot i've sat with the what ifs a lot i've sat with all of it i've taken time to do it and it's helped me um i am now my mindset is now that i will my father lives through me you know you can say that biologically obviously but just spiritually lives through me and I live for him now. I will live for him. His, I have got his um, semi-famous in this area gold ring with his amethyst gem on it that everyone known him for his gold bling. He loved. He used to go to auctions to buy them. I now wear this, and it's a reminder for me. Like a reminder for me, this man did not give a f what people thought of him. You, he had zero shame. I remember once we went to EE when I was 16 or 15 and I couldn't get a contract because I was too young. And I remember him when me and my sister went and he had like a business contract thing and um, they were like, oh, you want to set up another phone, Mr. Hicks, on the, on your contract? And he said, yeah, yeah. And he goes, have you got any ID on you? And he said, no. I said, oh, we can't do it. And he went, I have got ID. He pointed at his Glyn's minibus hire embroidery badge on his chest and said, that's my ID. And he was flat out serious. <laughs> and I'm not even joking. He literally thought this guy would know Glyn's minibus in Carmarthen in another town and he would take it seriously. And I remember looking at him like, God, this guy's mad. <laughs> like, he he genuinely, I mean, no shame. I was like, I could never do it. Imagine with Turtle, mate. Well, have you got ID? No, I've got Turtle method, everybody. That's me. <laughs> like, I can't. But he says it's not in an egotistical way, it's like in a proud way, you know. It's like, yeah, Glyn's minibus, high, you know. That's my ID. Oh, I remember that. What else do I remember him? I just remember how he does deals, you know. Um, he would go on, like, do you know when with buses, brand new, like Mercedes buses, typically you go to a dealer, chat about it, you know, you'd have a think about it, put an offer in. I remember one of his mates, Malcolm Bevan, said he went up with him to like Wigan or something and um, arrived at like 5 a.m., like hours before they opened. He drove through the night because he was so keen to go and see this bus. And uh, my father turned up and said yeah 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 yeah. i'll have it in cash and just the the guy was like what? what are you serious and then that malcolm bevan guy had to take the dealer to the side and go look this is genuine he's not 
this is how we just works. He comes up, he's either yes or no on his cash. He'll go bank, get it. They were like, no, we don't know. We don't know. We don't, we don't believe him. So they had to follow him. <laughs> they followed him to the bank to make sure, like, he was. I don't know why. I think maybe to, like, if he wasn't, like, a dodgy person or whatever. But, oh, my God. Just, been, just would bamboozle people with such directness without shame. Which I admire when you think about it. I, I admire it a lot. So that that's a ring. And for you lot today and for your weekend, act without shame. What are you being shameful for? You know, like be proud, maybe. Be proud. Be out there, straight, direct. And I think there's a lot to learn from that. Um, oh, there's one more story for you. that uh, I would never do this, but I can't believe you did it. I was in rugby trials when I was about 15 years old. Um, and it was in a... It was like maybe 10 miles away from where I lived in a, like a town uh, near Amford called T-Cross. And I remember he he used to do like something called railway. So the railway is a bus replacement service for trains. So sometimes they phone at any hour, you're on call all the time. So whilst I was midway through this training with loads of random kids from other valleys and schools, he had left halfway through and asked, oh, I can't believe he did it. He asked a random person's dad that was there if they could take me home and drop me off in Tumble, which was miles away, by the way, from where this guy was going, and just left, and basically left and took my trainers from the with him in the car. So I finished training. This random man comes up to me. He's like, "I think your dad. I think your dad's told us to ask me to drop you off." Where I said Tumble, he's like, "Okay, it's miles away." I was like, "Yeah, right. Um, where's my trainers?" Like, "Oh my god, he's taking them." So I had to obviously. I was in my togs at the time. So I, I got dropped off in the middle of my road when this guy dropped me off to my village and I had to run back across with like my togs on the pavement and run back to the house. And I think back, I told my old rugby coach, the one that got me into the trials, I told him a few weeks ago and he was pissing himself. Like, think about the balls to like ask a random person to drop your own kid. But you know, like when you understand someone knows, like he, his buses for him, his entire reputation was on the line for the um for the buses like they were calling him to do a favor for the um taking the bus people from like you know that to half the west wherever like it had to be done he he built his reputation massively for doing being reliable so in his head if he can get someone to take me home no problem and he's solving another problem do you know how you mean that's how he's seen it but to other people it's like what an idiot what what was disgusting uh, but that's what it was like oh so yeah, no mercy maybe. Maybe no mercy is what he's like. Um, but right now he's got a 3D minibus on his grave and you can see it from the road. It's a, it's a beautiful thing. Um, but I don't know how I'll deal with it. I'll be honest with you. I don't know if um, the hardest part is... I was a lot more negative a few weeks ago. The hardest part is some of your friends let you down big time, I think. That's a big thing. Your friends let you down. You have to kind of let that go as well because people don't know how to deal with it. And especially, I'm only 30, so... I think the average age of people losing their parents like 50 something so you know my friends it's quite shocking that it happens you know it's like another thing that is is a common thing your grandparents obviously but not your parents so yeah you have to really step back and be like yeah some people know how to handle it some people don't and everyone's different and you all learn through your life and i suppose you have to just be open with people and say what you didn't like or what was upsetting you about something but that's just another thing i've noticed but yeah, it's going to be up and down for a long time. You get certain moments of like, oh, fucking hell, he's actually gone, you know? Smell is a big one, I think. When you smell him and you turn your clothing or go into his room, you smell him. That's a big trigger for 
an emotional segment, I think, for me anyway. Um, but yeah, I could talk about this for for a while. I think uh, there's a lot to say about this, which I you know it's not going to be this entire podcast. But I want to leave you on something a bit more uplifting, which is to channel your inner Glyn Hicks. So my father's my father's name. Channel your inner Glyn Hicks this weekend. You know the no mercy attitude, no shame. Be direct, be honest, bamboozle people with it, <laughs> and be f- fully be into whatever you're doing. That's what he was, a man of huge passion for what he did, uh, and it was his buses. Whatever your buses are, you go big on your buses this weekend, and I'll catch you back here on Monday, but we all need to make our health our buses, right? Make our health our buses, and if we did that, put his enthusiasm he had for his Mercedes buses into our own health, we would all be smashing it. But it's good to be back, everyone. It's nice, lovely to see people on the event on Saturday as well. Um, everyone's invited to Turtle Games in July the 29th, so please come. It's going to be one of our biggest fun events, family-friendly. Um, if you don't have the link, let me know. But please think about joining. I think it'll be one of the best days and events we've ever done. But other than that, enjoy your weekend, and I'll speak to you all on Monday.